Welcome to the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. My name's Amy McDonald. I'm a yoga teacher, yoga student, and a yoga business coach. And I'm here to support you to share your yoga with the people in your community who really need it. So if you're an amazing yoga teacher, but you sometimes struggle with the business part of what it is that you do, you're in the right place. I hope you thoroughly enjoy everything I've got in store for you. And if you have any suggestions, questions, or ideas for future podcasts, reach out to me on Instagram at Amy Yoga Biz Coach. Hello. Happy Monday. Uh, greetings from the Abundant Yoga Teacher Retreat. Huzzah! Day number two of our retreat. Hey, a reminder that if you would like to work with me and have a group of colleagues surrounding you to cheer you on and support you along the way, the Keep Growing Mastermind is now open for applications. The Keep Growing Mastermind is a six-month group and private coaching program, so you get private coaching with me, and you also receive two two-hour group coaching sessions per month and as much contact with me as you can bloody well stand via our Facebook group uh, to really, you know, jumpstart the year and get you into where you want to be going. If you like the idea of being around people who also feeling really inspired to take their business to the next level, do things better, work smarter, not harder, expand out into new ideas, take on challenges that perhaps you've thought about for a while but haven't had the courage by yourself to do, this might be the right next step for you. Get your application in and uh, let's talk and see if you're going to be a right, the right fit for our group. There's already a little collection of lovely yoginis in the group and we're welcoming in a handful more uh, getting started in February with a 90-minute one-to-one intensive with me. So the link is in the episode notes for the application and all of the information. And... Uh, yeah, or it's amymcdonald.com.au forward slash keep growing. Alrighty, righty, today, 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 uh, we're going to be talking about a character from the Mahabharata called Satyavati. Satyavati. Um, or Satyavati, probably. Uh, and <laughs> I mean, there's just so many freaking amazing women to take on as role models as as you know if you've been following me for any time look at all of those goddesses we've talked about or the you know the the wisdom that we talk I think we did that last year like mythology female characters from mythology to use for inspiration in your business a week of that maybe we should do another one of those anyway um today Satyavati I'm talking about her because if you ever felt And let's face it, we've all been here. If you've ever felt, or the last time that you felt, oh, it's easy for her because she's got blah, 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 but not for me. Oh, it's easy for people like that because they've got la, 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 but for me, it's so hard. Now, I want to be very clear here. Obviously, there are levels of privilege that just come with your circumstance and not everything is freaking insurmount is is surmountable right like that's real i'm not talking about that <laughs> God, i remember bursting into tears from sheer frustration uh when i was doing my uh diploma of counseling one of the assessors was adamant that everybody had exactly the same opportunity to everything that they wanted to do in their whole life 
And I was trying to make the point that, well, that's not true, actually. That's fundamentally false. <laughs> the fact that I'm born in Australia and I got put through a full education that was subsidized or at least supported financially by my government, that I have access to health care if I can't afford it to my, for myself, that I'm a cisgendered, white, able-bodied woman means shit is easier for me a lot of the time. That's just a fact. Um, I'm not talking about Satyavati as a role model of anybody can do anything if they just think about it hard enough. Obviously, that's bullshit. But what I do think she provides a, a role model for is sometimes when you are comparing yourself to someone else and thinking, it's easy for them, but I don't, they don't have. Yeah. Uh, let me tell you a story from yoga about a lady who just went, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to make this happen for me. Uh, and came from a pretty unlikely background in order to make that, not only an unlikely background, as you'll soon see, like there was some weird shit that went down for this lady. Uh, and she sorted it. She sorted it anyway. Um, okay. So trigger warning, there's some sexy talks. If you don't like that coming up and there's also some, uh, probably, but we'll talk about it. Um, Definitely, we're going to be talking about sexual assault, rape. That's going to happen. I'm sorry, but it's the Mahabharata. I'll let you know. Alrighty, so let's get to it. So I'm going to read from, this is, I'm going to read from uh, Jaya, an illustrated retelling of the Mahabharata by Dev Patnaik. Link in the episode notes if you want to check it out. Because I didn't want to say this in my own words. This is not my area of expertise, but it's kind of delightful. So this is, uh, Satyavati's origin story. <laughs> okay, here we go, here we go. Amy, be a grown-up. Here we go. Satyavati was no ordinary fisherwoman. Her father was a king called Upparichara, who during the course of a hunt had rested under a tree, thought of his wife, and ejected a joyful spurt of semen. How romantic. Oh, sorry, that was my insert. Okay, Amy, pull it together. Not wanting to waste this semen, he wrapped it in a leaf and gave it to a parrot and requested it to carry it to his wife that, so that she could bear a child with it. Amy again. Imagine being the wife. A parrot on the... Come to the windowsill. You think, oh, look, it's a pretty parrot. Oh, it's got something in its mouth. Okay, back to Devda. On its way, the parrot was attacked by a falcon and the packet containing the semen fell into a river where it was eaten by a fish. The fish was once an aspara called Girika, cursed by Brahma to be a fish until she gave birth to human children. A few days later, some fishermen caught this fish and found in its belly twin children, a boy and a girl. They presented the twins to Upar Uparichara, the king, who accepted the male child, shock, but let the female child be raised by the fisherfolk. The chief of the fisherfolk adopted the girl and raised her as his own daughter, and she was called Satyavati, but teased as Matsya Gandha, for she smelt dreadfully of fish. Okay, so here we go. <laughs> Despite being born uh, at least a, what do you call that? Half, no, what do you call, 
Well, she anyway. So she was a daughter of a king. Whatever. She was the daughter of a king. Uh, her her mother was not the queen, but whatever. Born out of wedlock of a king, through some kind of parrot facilitated IVF situation. Okay, fine. You know, I've been a queer woman my whole life. I got friends who do wacky things with semen. Never thought about it being delivered by a parrot falcon fish. But hey, you do what you got to do. So technically, she's a princess, or at least quasi. But um, even when her daddy finds out that, he's like, you know what? Nah, I don't want her. You guys keep her. And anyway, she smells like fish. No mention of if the boy child smelled like fish, just the girl child. She smells like fish. So she's off to a bit of a shitty start, right? <laughs> okay, uh, you should be a princess, but no, no, you uh, have to live with your fisherman dad and you stink. And people tease you about it. That's how much you stink. Nice. <laughs> ay, 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 ay. Okay, so moving right along. Are things on the up and up? Not necessarily. Uh, let me just pull up this other resource I want to read from. This is an article from thehindu.com. I'll, um, I'll, I'll, I'll link it in the episode notes as well. So this is just the overview of her life and then we're going to pick out some bits. Uh, the article goes, Satyavati's life was a series of negotiations towards the center of power. Once she was a girl who smelled most dreadfully of fish and was called Matsyagandha. Here we go. Stage two of Satyavati's shit show of a life. A passing sage was overcome with desire for her. And so he enveloped her ferry boat in a cloud of mist and persuaded her to make love to him. Okay, so I'm going to proceed here. This is the trigger warning for the sexual assault part. Devdutt, uh, again in the Jaya book, makes this powerful point. He writes, oh, the, the, the uh, passing sage, his name was um, Parasara. Okay, Devdutt says, the tale of Parasara and Matsyaganda, or Satyavati, can be seen as a tale of sexual exploitation of a young girl by a powerful elderly sage. Or it can be seen as a tale of sex hospitality trigger, that was prevalent in the epic age when fathers and husbands offered their daughters and wives to guests, sages and kings. Good times. Or it can be seen as an attempt by Matsyakanda, Satyavati, to manipulate the sage by offering him sexual favours. Now, if you ask me, while there are degrees of bad in those three options, they all suck. So, what happens next? Next, Satyavati is pregnant uh, and um, has a kid out of wedlock. Uh, probably, absolutely not of her own choosing. Um, the Hindu article says, a mighty son was born from that union, and though he was wild and unpleasant to behold, he grew up to be a powerful sage who lived outside society. You could probably guess who that is. Now, here's the one thing that did come from that foggy, misty, fairy situation. Matsyaganda was also rid of her fishy smell as a result of her encounter with the sage. Okay, so, recap. Born to a king, raised by a fisher people, smelt like fish, probably. 
uh, assaulted by a passing holy man, had a kid out of wedlock who happened to be kind of weird and lived on the fridges of society. Not that there's anything wrong with that. He went on to be a very cool dude. Okay. Next. All of that led to her no longer smelling like a fish. Good. She started to smell quite nice. Um, I think Wikipedia said she started, she had a musky scent that people found. Let me see. Um, yeah, she, uh, the sage, when, when after the interaction on the ferry, um, Padashada, who, um, she fell pregnant with Vyasa through that interaction, um, as a boon of saying, thank you, I suppose, or I don't know what not, having a Weinstein moment. Um, he, said, uh, he, he gave her a musky fragrance, this is Wikipedia says, which earned her names like Yojana Ganda, she whose fragrance is spread as far as, or, or Gandavati, the fragrant one, Gandavati. That's quite nice. So, okay. So now she smells nice. Fucking hell, being a woman, eh? So what happened then? Well, next, the king, not her dad, uh, King Shantanu, smelt her out and fell in love with her because she smelled so nice. Um, yeah, so, so she smelt so good that he wanted to marry her. And so, uh, so she agreed, but she agreed on the proviso that, um, cause he already had a, he already had a son. Shantanu already had a son, um, who, if you were in yoga and story, you know who that was. Um, and Satyavati said, well, okay, I'll marry you, but I want my kids to be heirs, not your existing son. And he agreed. So um, that's what happened. That's what happened. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to read again from the Hindu. Um, but, but, but. When King Shatana was enchanted by her new compelling fragrance and married her, she became Satyavati. Um, okay, and then her sons would become the rulers of the kingdom after their father's death. But Satyavati's ambitions were not fully realized at this point. The two sons she bore Shantanu were not worth much. So she persuaded her stepson, the mighty Bhishma, to kidnap wives for them. So she couldn't marry them off to good people. So she got the kid who was not who was no longer allowed to be the heir to go find them some wives. She then understood that her sons were weak and impotent and incapable of fathering children on the wives that had been bestowed on them. So she did some human trafficking to get some wives for her kids, brought them back. Kids still couldn't figure out how to start families because they were a bit shit. Oh, my God. So then she had to... Um, then she had to do some mm, neo-yogi stuff to get them impregnated in a way that was uh, transgressive. Um, yes, the okay. So essentially, what happened was the brother, her brother, her son, prior to marrying the king, had to have sex with the daughters that her other sons couldn't impregnate. Ay ay ay. So, the young, so uh, Satyavati brought her own son, 
now known as the sage Vyasa, and summoned him to sleep with her daughters-in-law. He did, and finally the young queens gave birth to Satyavati's grandsons, born of her blood, who would continue the Kaurava line. Far from being ashamed of him, Satyavati used her firstborn son to secure her position in a family that was only interested in its men. Okay, so that's a lot. (laughs) Let me, let's unpack it. Why is Satyavati the ultimate why not me role model? Well, first, first up, she theoretically, she was born into potentially, right? She was born into a position of privilege. She was born to a king. She was meant for greatness. Technically, she was a princess, but she wasn't. Not only was she just raised by a poor fisher people, um, her, her king dad said, I don't want her. Like she was thrown out. She was cast out by her birth family. That's got to suck. And not only that, but she stunk of fish all the time. And everybody teased her about it and called her the one who smells like fish. Hey, fish, stinky fish lady. Hey, stink. I mean, imagine. How's that going down? Not great. Not great. Next, she's just out doing the do. And some sage comes by and fancies a bit of her and so takes it. Um, As a result, she's now a single mum, kid out of wedlock, upshot, now smells musky instead of fishy. Downside, attracts another king who likes the smell that she now has and asks to marry her. So she does that, brokers a deal. On the proviso, she will marry him on the proviso that's her kids, not his existing son. That gets to be heir to the throne. He agrees. She has two sons. They're shit and can't get their own wives. So she steals some for them, but they're still shit and can't get them pregnant. So she asks her first son, their stepbrother, to do the do and get the ladies pregnant, which he does. Right. That's the summary. Why do we think she's awesome? One. She's so freaking unlikely. She ended up being the head of a dynasty. The sons that she had with the son, the grandsons rather that she had with those women, that's that's the whole that's the whole Mahabharata back catalog. They are the that's the that's the um, starting point of the Pandavas and the Kauravas. This is an epic lineage that she goes on to be the matriarch of. And she started out as a discarded baby, not wanted by her parents, and with a let's just—I mean, we got—it's—it's a disability, right? Like whatever you want to call it. There's something going on with your body that's different from everybody else, and everybody else treats you like crap because of it. Not good, not good. Then, as a young woman. Either one of those three bullet points happened with that Rishi and she survived that too. She's a fucking survivor. She's an absolute survivor. That horrible, whether she did it to get ahead, which is horrible anyway, or whether it all happened as an act of violence, horrible. Um, A boon came, two boons came from that. Her son, Vyasa. But also she resolved the fish smell. And so 
she, she, and she survived the interaction in itself, right? So that, that obviously that's amazing. She's a survivor. We can look to her as a role model, as an inspiration on that front. And then she took that boon and she cashed it in. She invested that boon. She used it to – she capitalised on that boon. She, was now, she now had a power that she didn't have before and she doubled down on it. She used that uh, the new fragrance of her body to attract in a very eligible suitor. So when that king proposed to her, again, no, technically on its face, she's just a fisher girl who's already got a kid that was born out of, you know, marriage. She smells good, but there's some other things that aren't great. But she used all of that to her advantage and she didn't just say, oh, thank you for picking me up and treating me nicely. I'm so grateful. She said, hey, I'll agree to this, but here are my conditions. So rather than just abandoning her own needs and being grateful for the first little bit of opportunity that came along she saw the opportunity she recognized that it was going to be good for her but she didn't stop there she really capitalized on this opportunity and negotiated for herself a better deal and I think this is critical for us right I mean think about how many times something has happened maybe you've been approached by someone else for a joint venture partnership maybe you've been offered an opportunity to teach at a workshop or uh, guest teach on someone's retreats. Maybe someone's asked you to write a blog post for them. And you all you've said, because you've been grateful, is yes. Now, I'm not suggesting that we don't be grateful when these opportunities arrive. But if we would just had a little bit more Satyavati energy, the outcome could have been even better. Now, theoretically, the king could have said to her, nah. No, I want forget about it. I've already got a kid, like, and he's getting the crown. I, I mean, I want to marry you, but, but this is not going to be your kids aren't going to be the heir. That's already sorted out. She was taking the chance. There was risk there. He could have rejected her, but she did it anyway. She thoroughly backed herself, uh, and made a pretty freaking fierce proposition. You've got to, you've got to disavow your own kid. So that my kids become the heirs to the throne. That's a pretty hefty, you know, audacious uh, um, term to put out there when you're negotiating something. But she did it. So imagine if, um, you know, this is where this is where like people often my clients often ask me, oh, I've been asked by such and such organization to teach a private yoga class for them. How much should I charge? Do you think 120 will be too much? And I'm like, forget about it. You know, if, if I work for an organization, I've worked in government, all sorts of different government departments and whatnot. If you've got anything under $500, just no one needs to sign off on it. It just goes onto the corporate card, whatever, it gets billed. And as I always say, you know, a plate of sandwiches to feed a meeting, half of which go uneaten will cost you about 120 bucks, depending on how many people you're catering for. Just a small board table of de half decent sandwiches is going to cost you 100 at least. So 
no to proposing that you charge $120 to go to someone's workplace and teach the team a yoga class. People say, oh, but what if they say no? Satyavati would say, well, fuck them if they say no. These are my terms. You want this? It comes on these conditions. You want to marry me? Fine, but it's my kids who'll sit in the throne, not your kid. So what would it look like in your business if you took a little bit more of that Satyavati energy next time someone proposes something to you? Think about the things that people have pitched you, that you've just been on its face instantly grateful and said yes, and not really gone into bat for yourself to get yourself a really good deal. That suits you, that sets you up longer term, that supports what you want for yourself beyond the immediate kind of ego hit of, oh, how nice to be thought of. What might that look like? Do you, is it about raising the rates? Is it about asking for more inclusions? What about just getting paid at all? You know, would, oh, would you write a blog for me? Would you do, would you do a guest blog for me? Sure. And it's going to be $100 for a 500-word blog, for example, right? Like what if you're really looking to, or, or what about, um, would you, could I come onto your podcast or could I come onto, could I do a live with you on Instagram? Sure, but it's going to cost you promoting in your newsletter and doing two posts on your social media, for example. So next time someone approaches you with an opportunity, how can you Satyavati style double down on it and make it work more to your advantage? Not in a mean, snarky way. This king agreed to the terms, right? She wasn't pressuring him. He could have walked away if he didn't like the deal. But he loved the deal and he said yes. And she further cemented her own security, her own goals what it was that she wanted for herself. She negotiated better outcomes for herself. Something else that I really respect Satyavati for is, um, actually, you've got to hand it to her. She's pretty freaking good at out-of-the-box troubleshooting, right? Out-of-the-box problem-solving. And she's not prepared to, um, sorry, she is prepared, rather, to kind of, like, not give too many fucks about what other people have to think about the way that she goes around her business. She goes about her business. There was a precedent. There is a precedent when a man can't impregnate his wife that a brother can do it for him. That is a thing, right? At the time. I mean, probably now, right? Sounds like a good idea. Um, but uh, you know, not super popular and, and a little bit weird. You got to have some good boundaries. You got to everybody's got to feel pretty good about themselves to make that all not weird, especially because there's no pipettes back at the time of the Mahabharata, <laughs> unless of course you've got a parrot and a leaf. Otherwise, it's fairly kind of old school. Not everybody's cool with that sharing of brothers and whatnot. Different if you're drowbody, but I digress. Satyavati knew what needed to happen and she came up with a solution. An uncommon one? Yes. A distasteful one for some people? Yes. One that all parties consented to? Also, yes. All parties who were immediately 
impacted or influenced or, in, you know, somehow involved in that decision consented to it of their free will. Is it a bit weird? Sure. Was everybody okay with it? Yes. Would people maybe around town have had something to say about it? Maybe. Satyavati doesn't care. Doesn't care. She's found a solution. It's not a normal one, but everyone who actually needs to care about it is okay with it. And if people who it's none of their business have an attitude about it, she doesn't let that get in her way. It's just not her problem. She needs heirs. She's got a plan. She will be the matriarch of the freaking dynasty that that without it, we would not have the Bhagavad Gita. Like she's committed to her goal. She is going for it, despite the fact that she is the most unlikely woman to take that place. And so when adversity strikes, she doesn't bail out. She doesn't think, well, that's it. We got nothing now. That's the end of it, I guess. It's the end of the road for me. Just must not be meant to happen. Mercury must be in retrograde. Oh my God, the amount of yoga teachers who don't do something because the internet wasn't working or someone didn't respond to your email because you mistyped their address or God knows what. I want you to think about it. When have you walked away from a seriously important goal or a dream project. Let's face it. Let's call what Satyavati is working on a dream project, right? I will be the matriarch of a dynasty. Dream project. She didn't walk away from it. She's a smelly fisher girl with a troubled teenagehood. And she didn't walk away from she because you can imagine right she's been through a lot okay i've got rid of the fish smell i survived the sexual assault i raised a kid by myself i brokered a good deal with a king i'm finally in the palace and can you fucking believe it my sons are rubbish she could have given up it seems highly unlikely that she was going to be successful but she didn't but she didn't. Was it unpalatable to some people? Yes. Any of the people involved? No. All willing parties. Outcome? Positive. What would it look like for you next time you're presented with something that seems like an obvious dead end to what you want that you don't walk away? There is something in my life at the moment that I want so much. I want it so much. And it looks so unlikely that I'm ever going to get it. Everything I've tried, a hard no. But I know in my gut, this is what is meant to be. And I am not giving up. I'm going to just keep looking for solutions. Satyavati. Do other people have some things to say about it? Oh, you better believe it. Am I getting some un asked for advice from people in my life? Hell yes. Am I listening? No. And not because I'm deluded, but because I know like I know like I know that this is where I'm meant to be. Satyavati, you could say to her, you're crazy, you smelly, fishy weirdo. What, are you, what the hell are you even talking about? You should be lucky you got this far. That's the message, right? You should be grateful for what you've got already. Stop trying so hard. 
Stop being so ambitious. Can't you just be happy with what you've got? Why are you so grasping? Why are you so, uh, you know, why do you think you you deserve all that? Nope, none of that. She's just very clear, looking for solutions until she achieves the outcome that she wants. And she's never violent. She's never... She never transgresses anybody's boundaries. She never um, manipulates people. You know, she she puts some weird suggestions out there for sure. But never in a way where she is, um, you know, uh, uh, sort of rocking a power dynamic. She's coming at people with a proposal and she's backing herself with the proposal, oftentimes a highly distasteful one but coming with the open mind of this might not be the answer it might be the answer I'm putting it forward regardless of what people have to say about it and I'm leaving it up to the other party in their own free will to decide if they want to do this or not and despite the odds she gets what she wants she gets what she wants so Coming back to the topic, Satyavati is the ultimate, why not me? Why not you, role model? I really think that for so many of us, me too, I'm in this, not all the time, but definitely sometimes, just think that, oh, that's not meant for me. I mean, so other people do that, but not me, you know, like, I, I, I'm good with this. I'm, I'm happy with my lot. I'm happy enough. I'm grateful for what I have. I could never do that. I'm not the sort of woman who would really, you know, I can't really like go for it like she can. I'm not made for it. Who am I to, you know, put my photo on the internet? I could, I'm not, I don't really know that much. All this sort of stuff, right? It's so freaking pervasive and thick. Oh, I shouldn't be. You know, my, my husband, he's, he's the big breadwinner. We don't need more money at home. This stuff, you know. I, I couldn't, I don't want to charge more than my teacher, trainer. Like, she's my teacher. I, I don't want to, what would that do if I suddenly charged more than she does? I'm, I'll, I'll just stay here. I'm grateful. I'm happy with what I have. Satyavati it doesn't say in the stories that she was unhappy with her lot. It doesn't say that she hated being a fisherwoman. It doesn't say that she despised her step, her adopted dad. You know, she didn't not love her sons. She certainly, you know, Vyasa, she loved him, the unexpected kid born of the misty night on the ferry. She was never ungrateful for what she had. This is really important. You can be very, very, very grateful for what you have and you can be ambitious and desirous of more. Desire gets such a bad rap in modern spirituality circles, but not because of any historical teachings in yoga. If your desire is the fruiting of your dharma, if you are being called to get something for yourself because you know you are meant for it, then that is just, that is just the realization of what is meant to happen. 
And I'm not talking about squandering money or, you know, accumulating stuff you don't need. But if you have in your heart something that you know is meant, you just know it. You just know it like you know it like you know it. You know it like Satyavati knew that she was meant to be part of that that epic dynasty that went on to do great things the Mahabharata. Then you figure it out and you don't take yourself out of the game because of your samskaras and your vasana that says, who am I to? This is, inc- this is just so particularly important for women because still ambition in women is frowned upon. Ambition in women is frowned upon compared to ambition in men, let alone if you don't identify as man or woman, then even you're allowed even less. Boys champion for wanting greatness. Girls not. I don't, this, this is just another, it's like, here we go. Satyavati was like, she wanted this for herself to the degree that she could make it happen as a woman at that time. She fucking went for it. She used what she had and got it for herself. You know, that, that, that perfume, she, okay. She realized that she could get into a relationship with the King, but she didn't just stop there. She utilized that opportunity to her advantage and negotiated better terms for herself, significantly better terms for herself. If you have ambition that is born of, if you have desire to do or be or have something that is born of that deep knowing that it is your dharma, that it is what you are meant for, then take some satyavati energy and don't self-abandon. What would it look like if next time you feel like you are at the wall You sat down for a moment, rested your back against it and thought, all right, how am I going to scale this fucker? Because that's what she does. That's what she does. Maybe you're going to chip a hole in the side. You know, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe labyrinth style. You're going to find some kind of secret brick that turns the whole wall around. Satyavati shows us that you don't have to quit even when it seems that you are the least likely candidate and the scenario is the most mm, you know, ill opportune, the most unlikely. It's never going to happen and definitely not for someone like you. Satyavati says, you know what? Fuck that. Yes, it is. Yes, I am. Here we go. If you ever have a morning where you wake up and think all I am is a stinky fish smelling orphan girl, whatever your version of that is. I don't know how to use the technology. I'm not teaching the sort of yoga that everybody wants to go to. I'm, here we go. I'm too fat to have a photo shoot. I'm too old to put my picture on the internet. Who, I've got a terrible voice. I could never have a podcast. La, la, la. That's what we, that's the fishy orphan girl. If you're ever having that energy, Look what this particular fishy orphan girl went and did for herself. I want that for you. I want that for me. Next time we're presented with opportunities, we're not just going to say, oh, thank you. Oh, my God. I'm so, oh, my God. Really? Me? Me? We're going to say, yes, me. And I'll do it uh, on these conditions. Thank you. 
knowing that we're proposing something fair enough. And the other person gets to say no, and that's fine. If someone says, oh, gee, $300 for one yoga class for my team. Oh, I'm sorry, but we just don't have that budget. You get to say, okay, no worries. You know, big shit. They said no onwards. Who cares? Or next time you feel like you've done everything you can, you have got yourself to that point and then the clouds clear and the mountain just keeps going. You thought you're at the fucking summit and then the cloud blows away and it's like, oh God, there's more, you know, Satyavati, she thought she'd figured it out. She'd got these two kids. She had a deal. These were going to be the heirs, except they had, they were, you know, they, they couldn't produce. They were infertile or just lazy. I don't know, not specific, but for whatever reason, they weren't into their, their sex trafficked wives. Okay. We didn't actually get into that. That, that part didn't age well. <laughs> um, so she figured it out. The next time you're facing something that just seems like, oh God, I've worked so hard to get to this point. That's it. I'm done. This is what happens. People say, this is a sign from the universe. No, it's not. It's not a sign from the freaking universe. It's just a sign that there's another thing to finish before it's done. It's not a sign from the universe unless you make it a sign from the universe. That's the interplay of it, right? That's the, that's the, Freaking Russell of being embodied. It's only a sign from the universe if you decide it is. And then it becomes the sign because that's when you stopped because the universe told you to. And on and on and on as the snake eats its tail. What about if you went right, roll up the sleeves, sit down, have a cup of tea and think about it. What would Satyavati do now? You know what? She'd figure the fuck out. She'd come up with a solution. That girl don't quit. I'm going to do the same. It might not be a common solution. It might make a few people record scratch, like it might have the eyebrows going up around town and I'm here for it. I am going to do it anyway because the project at hand is so much more important than my temporary discomfort wondering what other people are thinking about me. Importantly, other people who aren't involved in the project. How much of your life is limited because you're worried about what other people that you don't even really know or care about might think about what you're doing? Oh God, that bit. What would they, what would my, what would the people that I went to high school with think about me if I put up my Facebook cover profile photo with wearing yoga clothes? Because they all thought I was like going to be a poet. And now they'll think I've flaked it. Oh, come on. What? What? Who cares? Are you letting your dharma be thwarted by people that you don't even care about? Not that they're actually doing anything. It's just you think they might be thinking something. Oh, Lord, help me. Not Satyavati. She's going for it anyway. Satyavati is the ultimate. Why not us? Role model. Some unlikely shit went down for that lady and she didn't quit and she proposed some weird shit and she lobbied for herself and she kept getting up and she got what she wanted ultimately. No violence, no coercion, no manipulation, just smarts, persistence, resilience, 
survivorship and a hell of a lot of inspiration for us. If you ask me, there you have it. So mythology for your Monday. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you want to have my help to help you overcome bullshit that doesn't matter that much and have your great project, your dharma, get closer into reach this year. It's called the Keep Growing Mastermind. You've got a couple of weeks to get your applications in. Link is in the episode notes. Till next week, everybody. Have a good one and uh, talk soon. So there you have it, folks, another edition of the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. Hey, favor to ask. If you found the content useful, I would be very grateful if you could support this podcast by giving me a five-star rating. And if you've got a moment, a review would be super cool. No pressure, of course. Like I said earlier, if you have any suggestions for podcast topics in the future, I would love to be in service. DM me on Instagram at Amy Yoga Biz Coach. Take deep care.